uh, Pastor Cameron had a last-minute opportunity to go uh, with the PIH organization that we have and have a prayer and fasting weekend with some of the leaders there. It kind of came up last minute, and um, <clears throat> he basically just needed somebody to cover this morning for him. And uh, <clears throat> I just really wanted him to go, and no one else could do it. And I was like, you know what? I just totally need, you need to go to this weekend. He's got a big year coming up. You know, we've got a lot going on here at New Day. And I felt like this would be a great opportunity for him. So he took off. And in the process of, you know, preparing for this Sunday, uh, I was looking through the Sermon on the Mount. Should I continue the series or what, you know? And uh, I was looking through the Sermon on the Mount, and nothing was sticking out to me. I've preached on it before, but I just, you know, for some reason, nothing was pulling at me. And a few weeks ago, God spoke to me out of James 3. And that idea of what he had talked to me about, is this mic really loud? Okay, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like I'm talking into the future so loud. <laughs> I feel like the Wizard of Oz or something. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if it was like, you know, the monitors or what. Uh, so anyway, God spoke to me, um, and, and he said, I want you to talk about what I spoke to you about in James 3 this Sunday. And just as the week developed and, you know, things started, just people were having dreams and then just some of our prayers, it became apparent that this was a really timely word for our church. And so it's kind of a great opportunity that um, Cameron was able to do this and that God wanted to speak this anyway. So, so are you excited about that? <laughs> timely word from the Lord is always good. Um, so just, I want to just start off by just mentioning one of my favorite scriptures. This is not out of James, but it is a good one. Um, in John 17, when Jesus prayed, and uh, this was kind of close to when he was about to be crucified, and I, I believe this is a really important prayer, but it's one of my favorite scriptures in the last couple years, and I think we've mentioned it a number of times here on Sundays, but it's the one where he doesn't pray for these alone, meaning his disciples, but the ones who will believe on me, and that's us, his future church, everyone um, from that time on that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. And so Jesus' prayer was all about us, his church, that we would be one and we'd be able to experience perfect unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just as they do you know, in the Trinity, they experience perfect unity. And that is the prayer of his, for his church, his bride. And, and no matter what the church looks like today, no matter what the church has looked like in the past, and no matter what the church will look like in the future, this prayer will be answered that Jesus prayed, that his church will be one beautiful, perfect bride. And so that's what we want. That is what we want. So anything that gets in the way of perfect unity and oneness, you know, even that idea of being one with God, to me, is, is still a mystery. I feel like I'm still just wondering, praying, interested in the idea. And little by little, I just feel like he shows me things here and there. But today is a look into, you know, how do we attain unity in the church and with the Lord? So, um, in James 3, I was reading a few weeks ago, it was so good. And so I'm just going to read the first chunk, verses 1 through 12. And uh, this is just the very first part. James is looked at as a real practical how-to book 
in the New Testament, and it's there's just loads of practical things that are easy to understand. It's like, okay, I get that. You know, some some things in the New Testament are a bit mysterious, but but this is easy to understand. And so I'm just going to read through one through twelve. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, <laughs> able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they turn by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. <laughs> For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. But my brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So this first section is all about, obviously, the words of our mouth. And it's really clear here just that it is hard <laughs> to have a mouth that is, you know, full of good things. It's hard to tame the tongue, is what it says. And, um, you know, I was just thinking about how amazing it is that God, just by speaking a word, created the whole of what we see. Our whole lives, us, everything, was created by just a word. And then we were made in his image. So he gave us the power that he had in creating to us in our words, just like he has. I mean, the amazing thing is he, you know, he speaks and tangible things are formed. And when we speak, kind of invisible things are formed. But it, the same is true. So our mouths can set direction, as it says, you know, just like a ship with a rudder and just like a bit in a horse's mouth, our words can actually set direction for things. Our words can, can put things on people, in a sense. They can lift things off people. You know, um, there's so much that words can do. It's almost hard to describe it in a short time here. But I was spending time with my friend last week. And uh, she has a small little boy, like around one, one and a half, and she has like a three-year-old daughter. And every time she was talking to them, she was saying things like, oh, sweet girl, did you need some more juice? Or what do you need, sweet girl? What are you doing, sweet boy? Do you need some help? You know, and so the whole day she kept calling the sweet boy and sweet girl. And it didn't really, I didn't really think about it, but later I was telling Seth, that it was really fun spending time with them. And I was saying, man, her kids are just so sweet. They're, they just have sweet hearts. They're just, they're really nice to be around. And, <laughs> and then even later, I, would, I just kept thinking about how she kept calling them sweet boy and sweet girl. And I was like, wow, she's prophesying for her children. You know, and out of her heart is coming this idea. You know, she feels like her children are sweet. And, and she, you know, loves them. And so out of her mouth is just coming this, you know, affection, but she's also calling forth something inside of them to come out 
And that's what's happening. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, and, and I just was thinking, wow, as a parent, <laughs> that's kind of a cool tool. <laughs> but um, my parents just got a, a puppy. And right, you know, puppies are pretty, you know, rambunctious. And, and this puppy in particular is a little bit crazy and likes to do things that are a bit naughty. I mean, puppies do that, but I keep saying, oh, peaceful puppy. <laughs> oh, you're such a peaceful puppy, <laughs> knowing the power of the tongue. <laughs> well, let's see that come forth. <laughs> I've been doing that for weeks now. Come on. Um, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, in Proverbs 18, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so with our words, we can bring death, and with our words, we can bring life. Just as, as the Father just called forth things and brought life, he brought forth life on the earth and brought forth life into people. I mean, he, he was able to do that, but so, so our words bring death. Just as they bring life, they bring death. And um, death just comes from sin, and so if there's sin, there's you know, death at hand. Um, when I was, uh, a friend of mine and I created a business uh, maybe eight years ago, and um, nine years ago, and uh, we did leadership workshops in schools, and we kind of had this idea, we're both Christians, and we really wanted to bring the light of Jesus into the schools, and so we had grants from the government and all kinds of stuff to, to bring these, these uh, workshops all about leadership into schools, but we really were kind of stealth getting into schools and talking about God without talking about God, you know? And it was really fun, and so we would teach about diversity, and we would teach about, um, you know, team like working on a team, and um, we did team building exercises and all kinds of principles of leadership. While well, this one section we would kind of talk about, <laughs> um, we would talk about lies that we believed. It was basically teaching on ungodly beliefs and the power of the tongue, but we taught, we um, said it under the guise of um, self esteem, I think. So it was really fun because our end goal was to prophesy over the kids. And, um, we would just say things like, today, I noticed about you that when you were doing, you know, and we like fit in these prophetic words, you know, with stuff. But, you know, you know how schools are. I don't know if many of you spend time in schools or if you remember your own time, but it seemed to me at the time, and I have, I've been out of, you know, doing that for a long time. It seems to me that my perception of school and from when I was a kid is that especially like recess and there was lots of times where it was like a cesspool of negativity and <laughs> calling names and all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, kids getting beat up on the playground and all that stuff. It just, schools can be mean. They can be mean. People can be mean. Children can be mean to each other. It's just what I observed, you know, and what I actually, you know, experienced. But, um, we would, you know, see the kids, and man, like, in the morning, we'd get them, and they would just be, like, full of attitude, and our whole thing was bringing life and love and, you know, positivity and encouragement the whole day. I mean, it was, it was really fun, and by the end of the day, the kids would just be, like, excited and trying to catch their words, and, you know, you could just see them walk away encouraged. It was so cool to do that. Um, but man, like children would just say things about themselves. Oh, I'm so stupid. Uh, this and the, you know, I don't have what it takes. I mean, they would literally say things all, all along those lines. And um, we would kind of spend the whole day like 
really trying to nail truth into them. So we did this whole teaching on self-esteem, and we talked about lies we believe or things that, you know, aren't true about us, but they seem true. We called it fact versus the truth. And, um, and then we would, you know, lay out these ideas and tell stories and all this stuff. And so at one point, we're so, so we want to say some things about you guys. And so we would, you know, pick a kid out and we'd, you know, say, you know, today I noticed about you that, blah, blah, blah. And we would just prophesy. And we and this first time we were in this one school and, and we did that and we picked like three, we're going to talk about three kids, three people today. And they'd kind of get nervous, like, who are you going to pick? And then we would do it. We did three kids and then we, we didn't have a lot of time. So we would just come to a close. Well, this one day, the first time we did it, actually, um, we finished, you know, we went from one kid to another kid, and you would see everybody, like, oh, like, they knew that what we were saying about this kid was true, and that would be hard for us to know, and they would all start smiling and laughing because they couldn't believe that we were able to say that, and then, <laughs> and then they'd be like, no way, and like, all this stuff, and then they, like this one day, they just erupted in applause as soon as we were done. The whole room was just like, yeah! And then kids were like, do me, do me! Like, they were like so hungry for, for life, you know, and, and our words. Like, it was just going into their spirits, you know, and I always, we always prayed that whatever we did in those workshops would be like life transforming for those kids, but that was a fun time. If anyone wants to take the idea and run with it, it's pretty awesome. You can get grants for all kinds of stuff. We had tobacco grants, like we had to t talk about tobacco and alcohol in the schools, and we would do that, and then we would do our thing. <laughs> so we could do that too, anyway. <laughs> it was super fun. So, and anyway, I love in, in James 3 here where it says that even in the face of fierce winds with a ship, that that small udder can turn the ship. And I just think, you know, that looks at the circumstances of life, the storms of life, the difficulties of life. Even in those times when there's wind blowing, you know, truth and, and good things that come out of our mouths can really still set our course or maintain our course for what God has for us. You know, the Word of God is that. You know, that it grounds us during circumstances and difficult times, and we can always use that as a grid for our rudder to stay on course no matter what is swirling around us. You know, it, it just always is life and light to our bodies and our circumstances. Here it talks about with, with our tongue we bless God and curse men. How easy is it to do that? To, you know, bless God, you know, he's He's out there somewhere, but this guy who's right here is annoying me, <laughs> you know? How easy is it to bless God and to curse men? And, you know, that's where we can kind of go wrong, and it talks about how, you know, having fresh water and bitter out of the same mouth, like, that just should not be. It should not be. We should always have the same things coming out of our mouths, which is purity and goodness and truth and all those things, because... Because Jesus himself was the perfect example of a tamed tongue, was he not? He was able to speak truth in every circumstance, and he was not wavered by sin. And he is our example of someone who could tame his tongue. And it says in the Bible that we can do the things that Jesus did. It is possible to tame the tongue. It is possible because Jesus is our example. He, he made a way for us to tame our tongues. Um, so let's remember where our words come from. Does anybody know? Um, maybe that's phoning, a friend calling to tell us <laughs> where. It, where do our words come from, friend? Um, Luke 6, 
45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart is where the mouth speaks. So how, how we say things, what we say, all of that gives an indication. Our words give an indication of what's going on inside of our hearts. That is where our words come from. We, I like to use um, our heart as an example of, of a, in the, the example of a garden. And just how when we have a garden laid out before us, you know, we can plant and have all kinds of fruit and vegetables and flowers and things coming out of it. But also there's some destructive things that can come out of it. And our heart is the place where our, our thoughts are, our emotions are, and all that stuff. And we can spend time giving our garden, we can nurture the negative things in our garden, or we can nurture the positive things and the good things and the things that bring life in our garden. How easy is it for our thoughts and our ideas to turn to negative things in our garden? And when we're doing that, we're, we're nurturing that stuff in our garden. And it reminds me of when I was mar first married to Seth. And when I married Seth, I knew this, but I, don't, I didn't fully know it that I was marrying into more of an, a, a rural idea. <laughs> Seth was from Sturgis, surrounded by agriculture, and he was from Canada, also surrounded by agriculture. In fact, his whole family line is Mennonite, <laughs> and uh, they are farmers. His family is farmers, which is exciting because we are going to plant a church in Vandalia where there are a lot of agricultural people. I just grew up in Kalamazoo, and I literally lived on a city block. I knew nothing about this, but I remember being very excited about the tractors and the farmlands. When we went down there to hang out because we were friends, it was like, what is this machine? Can I sit on that? It was so fun. It just, I, well, actually, honestly, my, my grandpa was a farmer, and all of, you know, my family before that were farmers, so it's in my blood, you know? I care about the weather. If it's dry, I get concerned about the corn, but it's like this idea out there. It's not like present in my everyday life, and, and then I married Seth. Well, anyway, Seth grew up to make extra money. Um, they would do things with the corn. People can make lots of money in the corn, and so when we got married, we wanted to make some extra money. So we went to hang out in the corn, and I learned about roguing. This fits with what I'm talking about, I promise. Um, so, roguing, I'm not going to describe this very well, but, you know, um, is when, when you're in a cornfield, when you're driving by a cornfield, that's what I did, but then this, t this time I was in a cornfield, but I usually drive by and I can see. When you look and the corn's a certain height, and then every so often there's like one that kind of raises above the rest, and it's called a rogue corn. Mm. And you, we would have these tools, and we would go and just kind of cut it down. Why? It's bigger. It's going to produce lots of big corn. That's good, right? No, I learned. <laughs> no. Apparently, these nasty little rogue corns, they grow tall, and then they, like, what is it called? Cross-pollinate with the ones around them, and they destroy the ones around them. So this whole section of corn around will be destroyed unless you do your roguing. 
and kill them. Get them out of there. And it's really easy. You can just walk in. You're like, where's the tall ones that you think are going to be the good ones? But nope. And, and you go and you just kill them and you keep going. And you, you can do it fast if you get good at it. You know, And that's where you make the good money is when you're fast. And uh, we did it one time. Is that right? <laughs> I was like, I am learning something. I am a farmer today. <laughs> I loved it. It was cool. Anyway, the whole um, concept was really interesting to me. And when we look at ideas and thoughts that are full of um, you know, negative things, we can, you know, basically, they, they rise up above all the others, don't they? They're really easy to see. They, they sometimes dominate our mind when we get into a situation and something triggers us and that negative idea will raise up all, above all the others and we forget about all the good things, don't we? And we need to take them out. <laughs> you need to go through your garden and go roguing. <laughs> Maybe you'll make money through that somehow <laughs> in an indirect, unrelated way. Maybe it'll send you into favor. That's a good point, actually. Um, so Matthew twelve thirty four: For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Isn't that just the same thing I just read? Yes. My bad. Yeah. Um, so the key to taming the tongue basically lies in the heart. It is the point. So moving on in James 3, getting back to that. Um, the second part feels a little bit unrelated to the first, but God showed me something I will, I will show you. So um, James 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. That's humility. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So our hearts can actually carry envy, and another word for that is contentious rivalry, and jealousy. Those are the words in the Greek. So envy, contentious rivalry, and jealousy. You know, in a group of people, you know, those rogue ideas that spring up can contaminate the things around them and just bring down like a whole section, you know, because it's about self, isn't it? And it's about trying to rise above. And um, Jesus was the perfect son. He was had perfect love and his, his father's love. He knew what it was to be close to the Lord. And he was a perfect son. And we, since we live in the sinful world, we start out as orphans. And we're all on the path once we meet the Lord and become, you know, in relationship with him. We are all on a path to learning what it's like to get rid of orphan thinking, to get rid of the ideas that, um, you know, we're less than or something like that, that, you know, we don't have a place those ideas, and we're all on the path to becoming sons and daughters in the Father's love, adopted by him, taken in by him. We have a place in his heart, so we don't have to have envy because we have everything we need in the Father, but we're all on process, right? 
And so we'll have those rogue ideas spring up and stand up above all, all others. But when they come out of our mouths, those negative ideas, those things that are full of envy, when they come out of our heart, when they come out of our mouth, they contaminate everything around us. And they pull down people and they destroy unity. The next thing is, um, besides envy, is self-seeking. The other words in the Greek are selfish ambition, strife, and having a fractious spirit. You know, just having selfish ambition, it's about self. And, you know, the first sin in the Garden of Eden, you know, for Adam and Eve, it was about self, you know. And it wasn't about the Father anymore. It was about me. And um, all our, our you know, self-seeking ideas, they take away from, from our relationship with the Lord, and they take away from unity in the church, unity in, in relationship with others. So that produces those things, envy and self-seeking. They, they produce confusion in every little thing are there, it says. And those rogue corn that stick up about, they just destroy everything in its place, you know. Everything in that little section, it just takes it away. So you have to take them out. Because wisdom that's from above, ugh, wisdom that's from above is first pure. Remember back how it said just at the, in the top about the tongue that um, a spring can't send bitter and fresh water out of the same opening, you know? That um, purity that comes from wisdom from above is perfect. There's nothing dual about it. It's just one pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits. All of those things produce unity. They produce unity. They're willing to yield. They're peaceable. They're gentle. You know, they're pure. And so you think pure thoughts about others. You think pure thoughts about yourself. You don't give in to the, the lies about you or others. Um, so what the Lord spoke to me when I was reading that, I was thinking, how are these things related in this one section? You know, taming the tongue and how we have wisdom and the wisdom that's earthly and, and, and all that, and it's sensual, and it's full of envy and self-seeking. What about that, God? And he just said, it takes wisdom from heaven in order to tame the tongue. So we need to fill our hearts with wisdom from above in order to tame the tongue. When our hearts are full of wisdom from above, that's when we know our mouths will fall in line. This is the cool thing. Paul said in Ephesians 3, he was talking about the revelation of the Gentiles being able to enter into relationship with God and, and all that new idea that was being revealed to the disciples at the time. And he was saying, Now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And he was talking about the manifold wisdom of God. And, you know, at the time he was talking about this revelation about the Gentiles. But the manifold wisdom of God is continuing to be released on his people all the time. And that word manifold means many colors. Many colored wisdom is being revealed. And this is the interesting part. The many colored wisdom of God is being made known by the church. So we apprehend the wisdom of God. And it's being made known by the church to who? Who is it being made known to? This is so cool. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. The manifold wisdom of God can be released through us to the air, to the atmosphere, to the circumstances, to 
the things in the heavenly places, both good and evil. We're revealing it to angels and we're revealing it to demons. Isn't that amazing? The manifold wisdom of God, there's so much power in that. So God wants to reveal wisdom to us, and he's doing it all the time as we walk in a relationship with him, that he can reveal to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That is the power of our words. That is the power that our words carry and that the wisdom from above carries. So we want to be a unified church. We want to be a unified people that represent who our Father is. We want to be a unified people that represent who our Father is to each other, to, from the church to the community, from us to God. We want to represent him to him. We want to be full of those good things. And, and I was thinking, for me personally, just when I read that, I was thinking, wow, I, just, I do need wisdom in so many cir circumstances of my life, you know? There's just times where I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. And so sometimes I'll push the idea away because I just don't know what to do. And I, like, not want to deal. So I just won't. And, and, and so when I read that, I was thinking, okay, wisdom from above. When I, when I spend time with God, I really want to just ask him questions and just listen for answers. And, and that seems like a simple thing, but I think just pressing into the things that seem hard for me to understand or know. And, and so we can apprehend wisdom from above in the Bible. All kinds of beautiful things that are found in the Bible, we can apprehend. And we can do it when we're relating with the Lord, spending time in his word, praying, listening, we can just get all kinds of good things. And our, it's in our relationship with the Lord that we cultivate our garden, that we really grow the beautiful things that he's giving us in our garden. And out of our mouth will proceed life. It will be pure. It will be gentle. gentle it will be peaceable. It will be full of um, humility, the good things. So um, how many of you would like to... Reveal wisdom to the heavenly places and the principalities. That's how cool. Every circumstance, you know. So I thought, let's take a moment. You know, one of the things that I do is, you know, I just love, I actually really enjoy surrendering things to the Lord when I feel like, oh, yeah, I definitely have that, <laughs> you know. Oh, there's some envy or there's some soul-seeking there. I'll, and even if I can't think of a, an example in my life, I'll just do it because I just really enjoy letting go of the things that are not healthy or helpful for me. And then um, if you find yourself speaking bitter or negative ideas, you know, and, and I, I've done this, I'll just repent, you know, before the Lord, you know, God, that wasn't good. If you leave a conversation and you don't feel like you said things that were uplifting or something, I've actually made it a practice to sometimes talk to that person and say, I'm sorry I said that, that wasn't right. You know, and that really helps because it takes humility to talk to someone like that. But every time I do, I'm so glad I did because that will really root out those things. That is actually like ro what roguing is. You know, it's repentance, is, is roguing. And so when you just acknowledge, hey, this wasn't good, I'll just rogue that thing out and repent and sometimes go to the person if I was talking to them and something came out of my mouth. And I can tell that I, I have to do that less than I used to, but still, you know, the odd occurrence will happen. But, you know, it's just really catch. It's taking every thought captive. It's taking our words captive. So, 
And then the other thing is just being intentional about seeking God for wisdom in situations that feel like sticky or weird, you know, or like you're just not sure what to do. God will really reveal himself to you. He really does. And it just reminded me of how the kings back in the day would just, you know, inquire of the Lord on a matter when they were in a battle. Our lives are battles, you know that? They really are. And these kings would just go before the Lord and inquire of the Lord, and the Lord would speak. And it's just no different for us, you know? He speaks to us just like he did then in a different kind of way, but it's just so, he's so available. He really is. He's so available, and he's great. He's not hard and mean, and he's not going to, like, hammer it over your head. He just wants to take things from you that hinder love and give you things that grow love. You know, he's so good. So let's just stand up for a minute, and we're just going to pray. And then uh, I just want to declare over the church that New Day is a church that has wisdom from above. New Day, I just declare that to the heavenly places and the principalities, that New Day is a church full of wisdom from above. And so let's just open up our hearts to the Lord. And if you'd like to repeat after me, just repent and say, Jesus, I repent for any envy or any self-seeking in my heart. Wash me clean. good yeah and then just say I receive wisdom from above that is full of purity that is peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy full of good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy Add those things to my heart, Lord. Help me cultivate them in my garden. And help me root out the things that are not of you. That I may be a part of the unified church. And make New Day a beautiful place. Ha <laughs> ha. Amen. Yay. All right, you can have a seat. Tori, or Bill. <laughs> Hello, I'm Tori, and I have some announcements for you this morning. Um, <laughs> the first is I'd love to draw your attention to the connection card in the seat pockets in front of you. This is a great way to sign up for things that are upcoming in the announcements. Uh, you can put prayer requests on those, and people, the prayer team will pray for you. Um, you can change your contact information with the admin team at the church. You can do many things. Uh, and if you're new to New Day today or have been recently and we've not yet given you a gift, we'd love to do that. And if you take your connection card right to the center of the back of the sanctuary here to the connection counter, we do have a gift for you to say thanks for coming. So that would be wonderful, and that is what the connection card is all about. That's all I have to say about that. Um, so exciting things coming up, and one of those is called Dig the Well Vandalia. Uh, that's coming this Saturday, January 26th from 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, I believe there's a flyer with more information at the connection counter. We're going to be gathering together at the Vandalia campus. 
and most important of all, bring a chair because we don't have chairs. So if you want to sit down, bring a chair with you. That's not really most important of all. I was just saying that. Um, the most important is come. So we're excited about Vandalia, and it's a great chance to gather together in the place and pray and just, uh, yeah, keep that moving forward. So we also have a video announcement for you this morning, and I think that is queued up and ready to go. This class is going to be great. It's going to be really fun. You should all come. And I'm Sarah Gerber. I'll be involved in teaching it with the mensers. It's going to be really cool. Thank you, Sarah. Your voice changed in the middle. That was kind of weird. Um, sorry about that, everybody. Um, so, Kingdom Finances class is upcoming February 5th from 6.30 to 8.30. You'll want to check that out. Marilee and I are helping Sarah with that, and it's going to be really good. Uh, we've done it once before, and hopefully those of you who came got a lot out of it, and you can tell your friends so, so they will come this time. All right, so uh, life groups have maybe been on break over the holidays and things, and uh, we're beginning to start a new session soon of life groups here at New Day. If you are interested in leading a life group, you're going to want to come to the life group leaders meeting next Monday, the 28th, at 6.30 p.m., and please sign up on the connection card if you're coming so we know who's coming. If you're not sure but you think you might want to lead a life group, come to that meeting. Capish? Okay, good. So it is very cold and time to camp, everybody. We are going to uh, Van Buren State Park, uh, where we've been in the past, uh, but not last year. We're going back this summer to Van Buren State Park, and you can reserve sites six months in advance, which is why it's time to sign up and pay up so we can sign up and pay up with the state of Michigan. I always love it in weddings when Pastor Cameron says, by the power vested in me, by the almighty God in the state of Michigan. So if you want to be with the state of Michigan, get married by Pastor Cameron, and then sign up for the camping trip. I don't know. I'm sorry. Rabbit trails. Okay, so that's by next Sunday. You need to be signed up. The cost is $54, and you can sign up on the connection card if you put a check mark it on the envelope that is for the camping trip, so we know that that $54 goes there and not elsewhere. Okay, great. I think that may be all I have other than the offering. I did want to point out, it's really handy on the back of the bulletin. There's like a little get connected section that kind of sums up what I just said, and it has the date next to it. Uh, so check that out. It's a great way when you go, hey, what did he say? He just kept joking around. Um, you've got that to back us up. 
So if the ushers would come forward, we're going to pray and receive the offering at this time. Father, we thank you this morning uh, just for the time of worship that we had, uh, for the message that Sarah shared with us, God, and I pray you would just enable us to apply that, Lord. I pray we would do our roguing, God. It's sometimes difficult to weed out um, what's become a habit, Lord, and I pray you know, that I'd be able to do that better in, in difficult situations, Lord, and not use the excuse that uh, it's a difficult situation, but take charge of it and, uh, and live according to your word, God. So I pray we'd be able to do that. I pray over our offering, Father, that you would, um, that you would bless it, Lord, that you would um, just uh, meet all the needs of the ministries here at New Day, the missionaries we support around the world, God, um, and just the giving to the poor.